Welcome back, everyone, to the Centerpoint Pentecostal Church podcast. We have some exciting news to share with you all today. The youth ministry of Centerpoint Pentecostal Church, Gravity Student Ministries, will now be releasing youth ministry episodes on the CPC podcast. If you are a young adult, teenager, or college student, and this is your first time on our podcast, we encourage you to click that follow button and turn on your notifications because you do not want to miss a single episode. We're going to be publishing messages from our midweek plugged in youth service, and these messages are powerful and engaging, and I have no doubt that they will bless you. So without any further ado, let's get into today's episode. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye brethren are not in darkness, and that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken, are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. Final verse. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together, and edify one another, even as also ye do. It's a lot of scriptures, but to wrap that all up, Paul is writing to the church, the Thessalonian church, and he is saying, hey, there's a lot that's going on in the world, but I want you to do what you've always been taught to do, and that is to trust in the Lord. That is to trust in God. But not only do that, I want you to help those who need help from God. Amen. 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 And so just for a little bit, I want to talk about this subject. It starts with me. It starts with me. Turn to your neighbor and say, it starts with me. Turn to your other neighbor and say, hey, it starts with you. And then look at yourself and say, it definitely starts with me. And without further ado, you may be seated, boys and girls. You may be seated. Young ladies and young men. So, a few weeks ago, Jolie and I got the opportunity, the wonderful opportunity, to go on a trip together. We went on our honeymoon, okay? So, we spent most of our time in Colorado, but on our way back from Colorado, before we went home, we decided that I, well, I decided that I wanted us to go to Oklahoma. And I wanted us to visit my family, and she got to see where I was born and raised and all that cool stuff. You know, the stuff that made Brendan. If you ask Jolie what it was like, she'll tell you it wasn't much. Okay, there wasn't much. <laughs> That's right. That's right. 
Uh, in fact, that town is so small, it got a Dollar General for the first time three years ago. Wow. That's how small the town is. But the baseball team, the high school baseball team of that town goes to the state championship every year. Every year. Right. They ain't got nothing better else to do. But before we went to my hometown, we did stay in Oklahoma City, the city of the capital. And in that capital, they have one of the most prettiest museums and memorials you will ever see called the Oklahoma City Bombing Memorial. And for those of us that were in OKC there in NAYC, we, got to, we never actually went in the museum, but we got to see the outside part. If you've ever been, it's really pretty. Um, it's a whole, just a whole grassy area. They have the monuments and the times that the bomb blew up. And, or before and after the bomb blew up, and they had the little grave sites of the chairs and where the people sat. But it's a really pretty museum, a memorial, and the museum is just as much fun. But for those of y'all that don't know about the Oklahoma City bombing, let me give y'all some context real quick, and I'm going somewhere, y'all just hang with me. The Oklahoma City bombing was a domestic terrorist truck bombing of the building called the Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building. The best way I can describe that building was that it was like the Twin Towers for Oklahoma City. So that building housed every important thing Oklahoma needed. It housed the FEMA, it housed the FBI section there, like it housed every major government agency within that building, okay? Which, hindsight 2020 isn't really a good idea, right? To maybe not put all your eggs in one basket, you know, maybe you want to spread out and that's what they ended up doing. But anyways, it happened, the bombing happened on April 19th, 1995, so that was pretty much before most of y'all were born, or even thought of. You had two guys, two extremists, two anti-government extremists decided that they were going to bomb this place. The bomb happened at 9.02 a.m., and it killed at least, at least 168 people, and it injured more than 680 people. It destroyed more than one-third of the building, which the building ended up having to be demolished. The blast destroyed or damaged 324 other buildings within a 16-block radius, shattered glass in almost 300 nearby buildings, and destroyed or burned almost 100 cars. And it's estimated that it was $652 million worth a damage. The Oklahoma City bombing remains as the deadliest act of domestic terrorism in U.S. history, which means domestic terrorism means that it was homegrown. It wasn't somebody from an outside country that came and did the damage. It was two of our very own people, American citizens, that did the bombing. But while me and Jolie are there, we're walking through, and it's, you know, they've got a Jesus statue in the corner with his hands over his face and it's you know a whole sad thing and we're walking through the museum and we're reading these stories these stories of people who survived the bombing stories of people who had family died in the bombing but there's one story that really grabbed my attention during that bombing i didn't notice it at first as we're walking through i see jolie she's reading this story and she's taking her sweet time reading the story i'm like we gotta get moving on Okay, like, I'm not really big on museums, first of all. I'll just go ahead and say that. But I found myself in this place for three hours, three hours in a museum. There's only so much you can learn about one event, right? 
but it's really cool. It's a really interactive, you can use an app on your phone, these people pop up on your screen and tell you about it, it's, it's really neat. So I gotta check out what she's looking at because she's taking a little bit long. So I walk up and it's a story of one of the ladies that, that died. It's a story of a nurse who died. And so instead of me going through detail by detail facts about this woman, I found a news article where people who she was close with talked about this woman, and I want to share a little bit of it. The news article said this. It was made during the week of the bombing. It said, Rebecca Anderson spent the better part of her life caring for people who couldn't take care of themselves. So it was no surprise to her friends when they heard she had rushed to the Alfred Murrah Federal Building to help the injured as soon as she learned of the explosion. On Sunday, the 37-year-old licensed practical nurse was pronounced dead at University Hospital from a head injury that still has her family members mystified. She was probably the finest woman God ever put on this earth, said her husband, Fred Anderson. She had a heart as big as gold. She would do anything she could, Rebecca Anderson, to help anybody. Through tears, one of her friends suggested God had called Rebecca Anderson home because he needed her to care for the children and others who died in the blast. That kind of helped us deal with the grief, said Roberta Holt, retired director of nursing at the place where Anderson worked. The last time Fred Anderson saw his wife healthy, she had joined a medical crew walking towards the exploded building while he went to park the car and find others to help to volunteer. Although he has pieced together the moments leading to her hospital arrival, Fred still does not know exactly what caused the blow to the back of the head that led to her death. He's asked for any information from people who saw her the minutes before she collapsed. Lieutenant Glenn Shepard, a private officer, apparently found Rebecca shortly after 10 o'clock in the morning wandering around dazed, saying something had hurt her in the back of her head. He told her to sit down, but she insisted she had to get back up to help the victims. She wandered off and was caught by rescue worker Sheila Hand, one of Shepard's co-workers, when she collapsed from her injuries. She wasn't a victim of the bomb. She didn't have to be there. She went down there to help people, and it cost her her life, Hand said. That's the ultimate gift of mankind. She gave her life helping other people. She was safe. She could have stayed home. Fred said a doctor called him around noon to say his wife had been hurt in the blast. Well, that's not possible, her husband told the doctor. Rebecca woke up one Wednesday afternoon and told her husband she didn't want to discuss the cause of her injury. She woke up again that night, told her husband she couldn't remember what happened, and then fell asleep and never regained consciousness. Fred Anderson said he did not regret going downtown because his wife would have not been able to live with herself if she stayed home. But he said he regrets losing her just nine months after they were married. We were just getting our lives started. I know I finally found the woman I wanted to spend my life with, he said. I didn't just lose my wife, I lost my best friend. He finally remembered her sense of humor and her devotion to her Christian faith and her church. He also talked of their hours-long phone conversation before they met face-to-face -face on their first date on her 36th birthday after meeting through friends. 
We just clicked. It was like we had known each other forever, her husband said. Rebecca had just quit her job as a nurse at a convenience center to do home health care, her husband said. Ava Munsey, a friend and a former co-worker, said she spoke to Rebecca just after the explosion. Munsey's told her to be extra careful. She's just a very, very special lady who deserves a whole lot of recognition for what she did. And I believe she'd do it again if she knew she would help somebody, Munsey said. We read tons of stories while we were in that memorial, that museum, but this one grabbed my attention the most. In the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of what seemed like everyone's world had been shattered, destroyed, and time stood still, one lady, one courageous woman decided that she was going to do what she had been trained to do, and that was to help whoever she could even if her own life was at stake. In an event that killed almost 200 people, where news outlets spent five days straight with no breaks, constantly covering the event, where officers, medical personnel, firefighters, etc., had used all of their resources and needed to gather outside resources, where an event so catastrophic the whole world was watching and the president at the time was feet on the ground of the area working tirelessly to help. There was a woman named Rebecca who was there just to simply do what she had felt called to do and help people any way she could. Rebecca knew there were children trapped in the daycare center of the federal building. She knew that there were people hanging from broken windows and sheetrock. She knew there were people who were crushed from the weight of the ceiling on top of them. Rebecca knew that she couldn't possibly save every single one of almost 200 people who ended up dying. But what Rebecca did know is that I can't help in any kind of way by just standing here and doing nothing. Right. I can't save someone's life in, unless I attempt to move and help them. All this knowledge and all this understanding I have to save someone is great to know, but unless I use it, it's just taking up space in my soul and in my Amen. head. Amen. Rebecca Anderson said, the only way I can do my part in saving people is if it starts with me. Her obligation as a nurse was to save people, regardless of who they are, regardless of their situation, right. regardless of where they come from, regardless of what's going on around them. There's something on the inside of her that said, I needed to save people that needed to be saved. All right. Amen. Amen. Jolie, as a licensed practical nurse, she has to stop when she sees a crash. She has to stop when she sees somebody in danger of losing their life. As a nurse, you have to help people. Sorry. And if there's anything else we should all understand, the simple concept that Rebecca Anderson is teaching us as she went through the final moments of her life, if we are going to save anybody, whether it's our friends, whether it's our family, whether it's our neighbor, whether it's our classmate, whether it's our co-worker on this planet, then it's right. got to start Amen. with ourselves. Amen. Inside of me and has been taught to me to the people who 
who are on the verge of death, on the verge of destruction, and on the verge of not making it through their situation, then it's got to start with me Amen. telling them to get a way out.
they joined Paul and Silas, and the church there was born. There were Jews in the city who were not persuaded, and they became jealous of what Paul, Timothy, Silas, and their ministry team were doing. They incited the people into an uproar and attacked the house where they were staying at. This is the beginning event of Paul and Silas getting sent away from this town and what ends up leading to them being in prison. So let me tell you that as messengers of the gospel, it is not easy. It is not a smooth road. People a lot of times will not listen to what you right, have to say. Right. People don't want to hear that stuff for X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And it's half the time it's never because of you. It's always because of what's going on around. It's a whole, it's hard to have a little faith in God in these times. It's hard to want to hear the good news when you're constantly surrounded by the negative. Right. But we can't determine how we share the gospel, what we share, and where we share because of what's going on out there. Somebody's got to hear the good That's word. Good. Whether it's yourself or your neighbor or whoever, somebody has got to hear the good word. Amen. So while Paul and Silas and his team have been sent away, they went to Berea and then to Athens and then to Corinth. Paul and his team were busy there, but something about this church, something about the Thessalonian church was still on the forefront of Paul's mind. And so Paul decides that there is a need. There are people that I've got to reach, that I have been praying for for a long time, that there is a burden in my heart for certain people. And no matter what I'm doing, they're still on the forefront of my mind. They're still on the forefront of my heart. And I still want to pray for them. And I still want to encourage them. Amen. I'm speaking to somebody tonight. When you've been praying for a lost family member. You've been praying for a Struck down, Timothy tells Paul 
that although the church was suffering affliction, they were holding fast to their faith. And although they had some misunderstandings about doctrine, they were still laboring for the Lord out of love and patiently hoping for the return of the Lord. Right. You've got to endure. Yeah. God is coming soon. Come on, that's good. And He's coming back. And now is not the time to give up. That's good. That's now good. is the time to be stronger than that's you've right. ever been. Now is the time to be better. Rooted in God that you want to serve the place that He is a good God. Okay? 
save a dying world if you aren't willing to save yourself. Wow. You can't. People don't want to hear what you have to talk about if you really don't know what you're talking about. I can't stand, I can't stand sitting, when, in high school and junior high, I couldn't stand sitting in classes. I didn't care what the subject was about. And All a right. lot of times they didn't present it in a way that I cared. They didn't convince me why I should care about this thing. Except for the same thing they said, oh, you have to learn it. I don't use 50% of what I learned back then, okay? And they never once presented it in a way for me to understand why I needed to know this. Right. But if you understand what the good word says, you understand what God has done in your life, you understand what the scriptures say, and you know what the scriptures say about salvation, repentance, baptism, Holy Ghost, about the good news, about heaven and hell, and all this wonderful stuff, and you show somebody caringness of what it could be like if they were saved, and out of their situation, people will listen to yes, you. Sir. Yes, they will. In this day and age, people are tired of listening to baloney. Right. To bogus, to nothing with substance. This is as much substance as you need to help somebody. That's right. But yeah. Paul went to church first. If you want to help somebody, make sure you go to church first. Make sure you're rooted in church. Make Preach. sure we are rooted in church. Amen. So how do I make sure I'm good before I help others? How do I know if I am all that I need to be in trying to reach others? How do I know to start with me? Colossians 3 and 16 says it like this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Paul spent three weeks in that church. We've got to make sure we spend however long we need to spend in God's presence and the church and prayer, so and good. worship, so and good. the Holy Ghost to charge us up and to save the world. Amen. So we good. spend as much time as it takes. It may take others longer because of what maybe they're dealing with. Yeah. Don't look at anybody else around you and think what they're doing is going to work for you. Amen. You know what you are dealing with. You right. know the situations you face. That's why I love testimonies. Oh, yes. I love hearing about the people that went through the same stuff I went through. And what God's done in their life. Right. And when I hear people who have tried so much stuff that they haven't tried Jesus. Look, I'm not talking about I'm not talking about going down and just bombarding it on people. They already have a certain way they feel about things. But if there's an opportunity to talk about Jesus, take advantage yes, of sir. it. You grasp onto that as tight as you can and you don't let go. Amen. Amen. There's a song. Frankly enough, it's titled It Starts With Me. It's by Toby Mack. It came out a few years ago. But as I was listening to it, some of the words, some of the lyrics really resonated with what I'm trying to preach. And just a little bit, it says like this. There's a million reasons to hesitate with a history that's filled with hate. Have we ever been a United States? I wonder. So who can blame us for the doubt? Forgive me if I think out loud. But we're just as just won't come around, I wonder. I was born with two dirty hands, something my daddy didn't understand, and something his daddy didn't understand, and so it starts with me. I was raised with distrust in my heart. Mama told me we're in worlds apart. Her mama told her, don't even bother 
So it starts with me. Because we can be free. Yeah, I know that. Let's try to fix the things that's been broke down. Because we can be free. Yeah, I know that. And it starts with me. This song and Paul both had something in common. They understood that regardless of somebody's environment and situation, there's a way to be free from that issue. Right. But it starts with them. And it starts with me. We can't allow our past mistakes to dictate our future choices. We can't allow ourselves to judge people's family upbringings for how they are today. With salvation, with God, every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. It's not up to us to dictate that. Proverbs 3.27, Withhold not good from them to whom it is due, when it is in the power of thy hand to do it. We have the power to breathe life or death into somebody's life. But it starts with you, and it starts with me. I'm closing. Everybody can stand. Amen. On behalf of Gravity Student Ministries, thank you so much for checking out today's Plugged In episode. If you're ever in the Centerpoint, Louisiana area and you want to come check out one of our services in person, we have them every Wednesday night, 7.05 p.m. in the Upstairs Youth Sanctuary at Centerpoint Pentecostal Church. We would love to have you be a part of us. In the meantime, though, hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll see you on the next Plugged In episode. See you later.